Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Theme of religious disputation. Once, however, notwithstanding his declared aversion to polemics, he was led into a controversy. While he was at Cork, he received a letter through the post-office, the writer of which, in terms expressive of the utmost anxiety, stated that he was a clergyman of the established church, on whose mind impressions favourable to the Catholic creed had been made by some of O'Leary's sermons. The writer then, professing his enmity to angry controversy, wished to seek further information on some articles of the Catholic creed. His name he forbore to reveal. O'Leary, anxious to propagate the doctrine of his church, replied in a manner perfectly satisfactory to his anonymous correspondent. Other doubts were expressed and dissipated until the correspondence had extended to eight or ten long letters. O'Leary, in joy at his supposed triumph, whispered the important secret to a few ecclesiastical confidants, among whom was his bosom friend, the Reverend Lawrence Callaghan, a Franciscan friar of Cork. Their congratulations and approbations were not wanting to urge forward the champion of orthodoxy. His arguments bore all before them. Even the obstacles arising from family and legal notions were disregarded by the enthusiastic convert, and he besought O'Leary to name a time and place at which he might lift the mysterious visor by which he had hitherto been concealed, and above all have an opportunity of expressing his gratitude to his friend and teacher. The appointed hour arrived. O'Leary arranged his orthodox wig, put on his Sunday suit of sable, and sallied forth with all collected gravity of a man fully conscious of the novelty and responsibility of the affair in which he was engaged. He arrived at the appointed place of meeting some minutes after the fixed time, and was told that a respectable clergyman awaited his arrival in an adjoining parlour. O'Leary enters the room where he finds, sitting at the table, with the whole correspondence before him, his brother friar, Lawrence Callanan, who, either from an eccentric freak or from a wish to call O'Leary's controversial powers into action, had thus drawn him into a lengthened correspondence. The joke in O'Leary's opinion, however, was carried too far and it required the sacrifice of the correspondence 
and the interference of mutual friends to effect a reconciliation o'leary and the quakers in his plea for liberty of conscience father o'leary pays the following high tribute to that sect the quakers said he to their eternal credit and to the honor of humanity are the only persons who have exhibited a meekness and forbearance worthy the imitation of those who have entered into a covenant of mercy by their baptism william penn the great legislator of that people had the success of a conqueror in establishing and defending his colony amongst savage tribes without ever drawing the sword the goodness of the most benevolent rulers in treating his subjects as his own children and the tenderness of a universal father who opened his arms to all mankind without a distinction of sect or party in his republic it was not the religious creed but personal merit that entitled every member of society to the protection and emoluments of the state rise from your grave great man and teach those sovereigns who make their subjects miserable on account of their catechisms the method of making them happy they whose dominions resemble enormous prisons where one part of the creation are distressed captives and the other their unpitying keepers his reception at the rotundo by the volunteers it was impossible that the high and distinguished claims to respect and esteem which o'leary possessed should escape unnoticed by the volunteer association never was a more glorious era in the history of ireland than whilst the wealth valour and genius of her inhabitants became combined for the welfare of their country whilst every citizen was a soldier and every paltry political or sectarian difference and distinction was lost in the full glow and fervour of the great constitutional object which roused the energies and fixed the attention of the people it was a spectacle worthy the proudest days of greece or rome but it passed away like the sudden gleam of a summer sun o'leary was exceeded by none of his contemporaries as a patriot but though the coarse and misshapen habit of a poor friar of the order of st francis forbade his intrusion into the more busy scene of national politics his pen was not inactive in enlightening and directing his countrymen in their constitutional pursuits a highly respectable body of the volunteers the irish brigade conferred on him the honorary dignity of chaplain and many of the measures discussed at the national convention held in dublin had been previously submitted to his consideration and judgment on the eleventh of november seventeen eighty three the same day on which the message said to be from lord kenmar was read at the national convention then holding its meeting in the rotundo father o'leary visited that celebrated assemblage at his arrival at the outer door the entire guard of the volunteers received him under a full salute and rested arms 
he was ushered into the meeting amidst the cheers of the assembled delegates and in the course of the debate which followed his name was mentioned in the most flattering and complimenting manner by most of the speakers on his journey from cork to the capital on that occasion his arrival had been anticipated in kilkenny where he remained to dine and in consequence the street in which the hotel at which he stopped was situate was filled from an early hour with persons of every class who sought to pay a testimony of respect to an individual whose writings had so powerfully tended to promote the welfare and happiness of his countrymen o'leary and john o'keefe in the recollections of john o'keefe the following anecdote is related in seventeen seventy five i was in the company with father o'leary at the house of flynn the printer in cork o'leary had a fine smooth brogue his learning was extensive and his wit brilliant he was tall and thin with a long pale and a pleasant visage smiling and expressive his dress was an entire suit of brown of the old shape a narrow stock tight about his neck his wig amply powdered with a high poking foretop in the year seventeen ninety one my son tottenham and i met him in st james's park london at the narrow entrance near spring gardens a few minutes after we were joined accidentally by jemmy wilder well known in dublin once the famous macheath in smock alley a worthy and respectable character of a fine bold athletic figure but violent and extravagant in his mode of acting he had quitted the stage and commenced picture-dealer and when we met him in the park was running after a man who he said had bought a picture of rubens for three shillings and sixpence at a broker's stall in drury lane and which was to make his wilder's fortune our loud laughing at o'leary's jokes and his irish brogue and our stopping up the pathway which is here very narrow brought a crowd about us o'leary was very fond of the drama and delighted in the company of the glorious boys as he called the actors particularly that of johnny johnstone for his fine singing in a room o'leary and the irish parliament on the twenty sixth of february seventeen eighty two the following interesting debate took 